Okay. Okay. So here we have today on Arash's world, we have Keru Peprits. Right. Yes. And he is uh, what uh, I like to refer him as an educational thought leader, um, but he's many other things as well. Um, he's a, a, a published author, award-winning author, and um, he is interested in in philosophy as well, which he found out to his surprise. But um, uh, it's something that um, uh, Rash's world is also all about, which uh, we call it philosophy with a twist. And I'm sure um, um, from what I've read about Carew, he has uh, uh, many twists in his life too, and we can maybe touch upon that as well. But uh, our main focus uh, is going to be on uh, COVID and schools. But first of all, um, welcome here uh, to Rash's world, Carew. And Thank you, so Rash. Glad to I'm so glad pleasure to have to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Great. Um, so, um, as we know, COVID has disrupted many of our lives and um, it has uh, affected us in, in no so many ways. But as a parent, and I'm a parent myself, uh, it is a very difficult decision now. Um, we have to balance uh, with our child's needs and education as well as their safety. Um, so um, schools are in BC. They have recently decided to open schools and in a mandatory way that our kids have to go back. And in the United States, um, there are, again, I think it depends state by state as yes. well. Yeah. State by state and locality by locality. And so, so what is the current condition in the United States and your experience, Kara, if you can talk a little bit about that. It's, it's such a mixed bag of what's going on. Um, we have, you know, no national mandate, of course, um, even the state mandates. A lot of this has just been passed on down from the president to the governors on down to the local school districts with not much direction. Um, and what's, I think, what the most difficult part for many parents is, is that as much as teachers are trying to figure it out as they go along in their particular school districts, there, there's this want for normalcy that is so overwhelming that they're, that they're, they're trying to bluff the virus and say, oh, well, maybe we can wait two more days or two more weeks or one more week or, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And I almost think, guys, take a break. Let's just push it out to the end of first quarter, you know, October or so, so that teachers can get a bit of breathing room and put it online. And then you guys can figure out how to, if you want to, or if you can figure out how to bring it back in to do so. But other, other than that, it's, um, it's just a patchwork of non-leadership and decision-making. And I think decision-making is, is something that's very important here because it's like the decision, yes, the school is making a decision, the government is making a decision, and as parents, we should have the right to make a decision as well. I mean, this is, um, as I read, and I absolutely agree with you, children are our lives, they're not businesses. And so one of my concerns is that, um, uh, there is this push of uh, children going back to school for reasons of business. So parents um, who want to work, they can. Um, and so they can leave their, their kids at school. Now, um, 
that in some cases, if, if you are willing to take the risk as a parent and uh, exposing your, your child to, to those conditions, um, that should be okay if you choose to do so. But you should also have the choice of having online classes or courses. So if you say, I'd rather have my son stay at home and do uh, work from his home and the safety of his home, that should be an option too. Now, you guys have the option. It is, you can choose between an online. Yes, we're, now in our particular area, it's interesting because um, you can have the, the option passed to allow your child, this is my, my son's going into high school. They said you can opt in for the full year on digital or you will start digital and go hybrid. Now, it's really interesting that you're telling me that it's mandated that they go back to school. Now, that's, I ha that's the first time I've heard that. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that's, uh, I think the option should be there at this point. I mean, I, it's, I find that very disconcerting. And I think part of the um, of not giving an option is because there are a lot of teachers who are reluctant to embrace this new technology. And um, I think that's something that needs to change. I mean, what, what COVID is highlighting is uh, we have to change our lifestyle in many ways. And it's, it's for me, I see it also as a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of hygiene, um, my, my wife is a nurse. And she is um, pleased that in restaurants, when you go to a restaurant, they're disinfecting tables and everything. But she said that should be the norm. She's shocked to know that that was not the norm before when we would go and have dinner. And so it is something like it's, it's kind of a new way, uh, a new culture that is emerging of, of being safe, of being um, healthy, right? And healthier as well. And so I think that's the, the, the good thing that's coming out of this. Um, but at the same time, it's hard for everybody. And I accept that it's hard for the leaders, it's hard for the government, it's hard for the schools, but they have to also appreciate that it's hard for us. And it's, uh, decisions are hard to make because this virus is so unpredictable. Yeah. Right? So um, what should guide us in these uh, decisions? What do you think we should listen to or who should we follow who should we follow well i think first and foremost i think we can both agree upon this it's the health officials mm -hmm. um i mean bar none um if you know you look at new zealand you look at germany you look at all the countries around the world that are keeping it down and they're saying yes you can return because our row rate you know our ro rate is is down so low the infection rate that we can make this happen if we use all the appropriate measures. The United States is not in that position, even state by state. So I think once again, this is a, a case of Russian roulette, you know, and I think um, you'd have greater odds playing Russian roulette than you would uh, having your kid, especially in our neck of the woods, get COVID. I mean, it's one out of every 12 people that are getting tested, test positive in Arizona. So that's a pretty high rate. Um, I, it, is, it is a basket full of impossibles at the moment. And as you were just saying before, the other side of it is the business part. I mean, parents need to get back to work. It's, it's, just, it's just critical to do that. So um, 
But on the other hand, are we going to put our child's life at stake? Yes, we know that from 10 and under that they don't get sick very often, but who wants to be the one parent, you know, the parents that whose child gets sick and or dies? That would be, that would be horrific. Um, so I think we're dealing with so many impossibilities right at the moment. And also the asymptomatic part of your child going into school, they get it, they bring it home and all of a sudden we're back to, to square one in terms of how we infect the community. So. And part of the problem is with health officials is because this virus is so unpredictable. We've never had anything like this before. And so um, they have to change their, their, their stories. They have to change the uh, findings that they have, the new findings. And now at the beginning it was, yeah, you don't have to worry. You won't get it. You won't get sick. You won't die if you're uh, in the younger bracket range or if you don't have any underlying uh, health conditions. And that's been changing. And so now here, uh, especially in, in our province in BC, we have younger people who are uh, getting infected with this, uh, with this disease. And so we don't know where it's going to head us, where it's going to head and where it's going to take us. And so the idea of children are uh, immune is, is a false narrative, I think, because um, first of all, they do get sick and some of them can be grave. It's, it's um, rare, but it can happen. And the other thing is they can pass it on easily to us, right? So um, we have in, uh, uh, here in Canada, we don't have uh, mandatory uh, masks. It's not mandatory to wear masks at uh, school, uh, which I don't understand because it is the uh, focal point of infection. You're in an enclosed space, you have lots of kids together, and um, it's, it's just, just dangerous. That's where the virus would breed. And so, um, and also the flip-flopping, and that is uh, here and as well in the U.S. about masks. They say, yes, masks uh, don't protect you, or masks will protect you, and you should wear it, you should not wear it. And so that turning it into a, a debate as well, I think that's something um, quite, uh, quite dangerous. I agree. I, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that in Canada, um, that's go been going on also. I mean, this this debate thing about the masks is is a debate to me that's that's been over. We're done with it. Um, at the same time, you saw in Georgia they opened up the high school there, and all of a sudden, you know, the majority of kids are not wearing masks, and immediately the school closes down. Same thing in Illinois. Same thing in Florida. It's like, guys, this is a respiratory disease. I, as they're finding out, it's not so much the surfaces. It's the, the the what's coming out of your out of your lungs so why wouldn't you do the most the simplest thing possible and especially i'll tell you if parents are so desperate to get their kids back to school what a great motivation it's like here it is wear a mask and your kid can go to school wow what a what a great motivator you know i think people would say politics screw that i want my kids so badly back in school that i'll wear a mask well, in their defense, they said it's optional, but I mean, we know kids and it's, I, I, I tell my, my son, it's optional to do this reading. He, he won't do it, you know, and it's, uh, when you make it optional, those who are wearing it are going to be bullied by those who are not, you know, so it's, it's, it's something, it, there should be a clear, um, it, there should be a clear line and say clear communication. This is mandatory. This is for our safety. And if you don't agree with it, don't come or don't send your, your kid to school. You know? yeah. 
And Arash, isn't it interesting? It almost sets up a, a, a mask caste system, doesn't it? For those kids that are going to school, I mean, you're right. They're the ones like, oh, you're the ones that don't wear a mask or vice versa. I mean, I think it should just be, yeah, you're right. People will say, this, you got to wear a mask, end of story, and especially with kids. Let alone what about, yeah, and what about the, um, I mean, the mental and emotional well-being of kids? Now, they say, and this is the, uh, the, uh, the story we're told, a uh, narrative as well, that uh, if they stay home and they're missing out on school and having time with their friends, socializing and so on, they will suffer from, from this, which is, which is true, I mean, which is valid. But what about sending them to a school environment that is completely different from what they had previously experienced? So, I mean, there's this little social distancing. You can't maybe talk to your friend. You can't, uh, you're not free to move about as you're uh, allowed to previously. So um, does, that, does that not create an emotional toll on, on the children when they see everything is different? Do you know, did you ever see the movie Life is Beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that movie. I love that movie. And it just goes to the heart of if, and for, for your viewers out there, if they don't remember, this was a this place in Italy. It was an uh, Italian foreign language film. And the, the little boy and his father end up in an Italian concentration camp. And the, and the father makes it like a game. Mm-hmm. And so the boy doesn't even know he's in a concentration camp. And I almost think it's the same sort of attitude with adults. Like I, I really try to tell my son, I say, hey, we got to roll with the punches here. I mean, we've got a vaccine coming down the line. We can make it this far. Whether, however we do this, this is going to be this state of affairs for this amount of time. And guess what? Sometime next year, we're going to be in a whole new deal altogether. That's what I believe. That's the positive part of me looking down the road. I completely agree with you. I believe in yeah, that I as think well. so. Yeah. I really do. And kids, I sometimes I don't think we give them enough credit for how well they respond to environments, especially if they're getting cues, they're getting good modeling like, well, I guess we just got to muddle through this and figure out a way to do it as knuckleheaded as it may seem. And they go, oh, okay, well, this is this is what it is. And you make a game of it or or whatnot. I do think there's a there's an interesting thought that I've been sort of it's been percolating in my mind recently after a number of interviews, and that is schools are very much well. Now you have to do this by this time, so you, you you you're not counted as absent and all these things. And I'm going whoa. I think schools you need to cut some slack here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A big slack, maybe even in the grading. I'm not even sure. I'm a person that raises the bar high, but I am seeing so much discombobulation going on, especially with the kids not knowing what's going on. I say, hey, schools, lower it down until you get it figured out, until it rolls nicely. Maybe you say, hey, by first end of first quarter, we're going to start being much more rigorous about this. But right now, we're going to have to keep you, you know, we can allow a little bit of slack. I completely agree with you, and I think the the, the uh, school administrators are are not completely aware of the situation. Sometimes it's like I, I've read uh, a, a lot of articles about. So how are we going to test? How are we going to assess? And um, uh, the the kids and uh, university students as well. This is a, a big issue here as well. But I'm thinking, well, let's let's just like think about the situation. Let's think clearly. This is a pandemic that happens every hundred years currently. So we're in an exceptional situation. 
Now we have to adapt, we have to adjust, we have to modify things. And the most important thing is really have empathy and compassion for those kids, for those students who are in a situation they've never experienced before. Neither have we, right? So by being like, okay, no, this is how we do it and we're not gonna fluctuate or change anything. It seems to be very, it is very narrow-minded in my view. I think so. It's it's not looking at the situation in 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 a productive way. Yeah. One of my daughters recently told me, she said, um, she's got four kids, seven, five, four, and two or three. And um, so they're kindergarten, first grade, one of the kindergarten. And it was funny because you turn on the screen and he's looking at himself and the teacher's waving like this. He's making faces at himself and all this. And it's like, nope, I'm done. And I'm going, oh man, I'm glad I'm not at that point, but look at what parents have to do, you know, they have to become these babysitters and teachers that they had never imagined. I'm sure they're just as frustrated. So there's this whole, you're right. Everyone needs to just take a breath and just get through this and we're going to do it, but we've got to cut some slack guys. This is, this is, you know, kids, the kindergartners poking at mass, doing all this, if they have to go back to school or online and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's something we have to remind ourselves, things will get better. This is not yeah. going to stay like this forever. And uh, it's, it's not uh, very comforting to hear uh, health officials, some of them saying that, no, this might be the new normal forever. That's not true. And um, I, I firmly believe that uh, we will have a vaccine and people will take it and things will change. We'll go back to normal the way we knew it. Um, But in the meantime, we have to hang in there. And so one thing that's happening is uh, referred to as pandemic fatigue, uh, which we see with uh, younger people, but also generally people just say, no, I don't want to continue like this. So what what would you say to those people? (laughs) No, you tell me what you would say to those people. (laughs) I would just say, hang in there. Hang in there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, all those things. I think... um, what, as it relates to students, one of the things I used to talk about were um, what I call school year resolutions. Mm-hmm. Um, for those families that are going to be starting here in about three weeks, as Arizona is already starting, but we had this discussion. We sat down with our son the other day and said, hey, we know it's different, but at the same time, it is school. What, what type of things do you need to accomplish this year that are different from last year? And here are some, maybe some of our expectations and have that conversation. So that's important to sort of say, hey, we're resetting. Yeah, we've been in this mode with lockdowns and all these things, but now it's school and we have to treat it like school. And with that being said too, and I would really recommend this to parents is, um, you start the school day like you're going to work. You know, you get up, you have a breakfast, no one gets to be in their PJs and hanging out. It's not gonna be, you know, especially the older you are, I think you need, to have much more responsibility in that realm, but you need to like, you put on your school clothes. Like I said, you don't have your PJs on below. You treat it like you turn your bedroom into a school room for eight hours or six hours or whatever it is. After that, that's fine. But I think it provides some continuity that everybody needs, parents need, kids need to know that we're shifting. And that shift actually feels sort of good. Like, all right, pandemic mode now we're in a different mode and we're going to deal with that it gives us a sense of turning 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that that kind of ritual routine that you're talking about, I think it's oh. very important too. Yeah, Good job. Um, we do that uh, now constantly when we go out, we always wear masks um, just for safety, the whole family. And um, we, we don't have to even think about it. This is something we do automatically. It's like, okay, where's my mask? You know, let's put on my hat. It's, it's like it becomes part of the process. And once you do it, and uh, I see people complaining, it's like, I can't breathe under the mask or it's uncomfortable and I can't socialize with people. I can't talk to them. Yes, you can. It's just, uh, you need to get uh, accustomed to it, it's, adjust to it. And at first it's, it's weird. At first it's uncomfortable. And I, I, I have apnea. So uh, for me, it's, it's hard to breathe. But now I'm, I'm really good with it. And it's actually... Um, I, I think I'll miss it at some point when I don't have to wear a mask. I'm like, what's I was going on? About that. I thought about that too. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> um, you know, and it's so funny. It just, you, you brought a thought to mind that people say, well, how can you socialize? I go, you know what? Watch silent films. Watch how they're always raising their eyes. They have got exaggerated eye thing, you know, so I sure you can socialize Wonderful. yeah and i see people who just like pull down the mask so they're talking to you it's like well what's the point of wearing it in the first place you know it's, it's supposed to be up <laughs> you know what there's this sort of interesting thing that happens when you meet somebody like if you're socially distant you'll for a moment you'll like pull the mask off here not pull it but you're like here this is who i am i've seen and that too <laughs> is that that's a, what a wild way to introduce oneself but again won't go on forever. It's part of an interesting time period. So, you know, at, at best, we should look at it as we're, we're doing something fascinating right now. Um, you know, we can, we can get stuck in the, in the mire thinking all the negative things. But boy, I think we've really got to put as much positive spin on this, knowing that, like you said, we're going to come out of this. We're in a very good position. I mean, in terms of science, in terms of technology, there, this, if this had happened like 20 years ago, it would have been more devastating than, than now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think we should be very hopeful and grateful that we are, it's happening now in this uh, time period and just, just do our best, you know, yeah. whatever that entails. And it's not just about us. It's, we really have to think of a, as a community. We're all in this together as a world. And so it's just like, it's, it's just so disappointing to see that uh, there are uh, people, the like countries working on their own to find a vaccine instead of getting together and let's, you know, let's pool resources, let's work together. It's not a race. This is not a cold war who will get first to, to, to the moon and stuff. We're going to work with, uh, with this. Uh, we're going to work together and we're going to find a solution that will benefit everyone. And I just don't understand the mentality of, of division of, and, and on either side. I'm not just taking any sides. I just think we have to come together. And if we can't come together during a pandemic, it's, this doesn't speak too well about humanity, you know, where we're at the stage we're at right now. Yeah. And I think the majority of people are definitely coming together. I, it's always, I think we're more similar than we're not, but it's always the, um, it's always the dirty window syndrome, isn't it? Like you, 99% of a window can be clean, but that 1% is the one like, God, there it is. I'm looking right at it. And that's what you're drawn towards. So I, you know, as much um, as the people that aren't coming along for the ride or making a show of things, I, I definitely think the majority of people, I've read someplace like 80%, 85% of the Americans, you know, they are on board with having a mask. 
So it's, it's that's good news. Yeah, because yeah, we, uh, yeah, here there is this movement and there are uh, demonstrations of uh, anti-maskers. And so but they're very small crowds. But I'm still like, it still worries me to see that, that, that people could think, I mean, it's not a question of freedom. I mean, uh, wearing a mask is not only protecting yourself, but you're protecting others. And it's a necessity now, and it's a temporary necessity. It doesn't temporary. mean you'll be stuck with this forever. You know, so I don't understand the issue of freedom. Yes, you're free not to wear one, but um, please do it uh, for compassion, you know, for thinking about not just yourself, but others. You know, and that is, uh, I, I just don't understand the debate that is going on. Nobody's taking well, away your liberties. No. Yeah, you, you're, you're not. And freedom always has a particular responsibility to it, Absolutely. doesn't it? And so I think that's the, the responsibility. The, yeah, that people don't remember. It's, um, it's funny when um, one of the letters in my book um, that um, it, it tells about when you turn eight, when it says, when you turn 18, don't read this. Because gosh, you're 18 and you know the world and you know everything about it. And it's just one of those, you know, sort of flips of psychology that says, you're not gonna read, now that I tell you, don't read this, you're, you're gonna, gonna read do it. Yeah. So, but the basic premise is, is that now that you're 18, you feel like I can do anything in the world. It's, but guess what? Now you're free to be taxed. Now you're free to go to be drafted. Now you're free to, to be, go to jail. Now, I mean, it's like, Wow, all these things that you're free to be able to, yeah, you actually now have, you're responsible for your own freedoms. Mm -hmm. And that means you're actually, those freedoms are integral to how you operate in society. Absolutely. And I think complete freedom that people are envisioning perhaps is, is anarchy. Because, you know, it's like, I go outside, I'm wearing clothes. I prefer not to wear clothes, but I can't do it, right? So, and it's not, I don't feel that this is a restriction on my freedom. I was like, we want nudists, you know? I don't, I don't see those kind of movements. So to me, the, the, the mass thing is, is something along the line that falls into that same way of thinking, you know? This is, Isn't it that same thing that we're talking about, like with seatbelts? I mean, that's one of the classic things that came up, you know? It's like, I remember my grandma saying, well, it would wrinkle my dress and we didn't have to wear it. And then one day I said, well, Grandma, what happens if you we stop and you went through the windshield? And she goes, well, I guess that's a good reason to wear a seatbelt. And then she wore her seatbelt after that because out of the mouth of babes, you know, like, Grandma, I don't want you going through the windshield. So, but, but that's what we do for each other, right? We do that to protect everyone else. I remember this, this great economics teacher I had. Um, he was, a, he was, he was first a sociology teacher, became an econ teacher. And he said, he goes, I want to take a vote in class. How many people do you think should wear, should be made to wear motorcycle helmets? And of course, we're all young and we're just filled up. We're, oh, everyone should have the right to wear motorcycle helmets if they want to or not. And then he proceeded to break down the opportunity cost of what it meant to have that freedom. He says, well, that's great. So let's say this person gets to an accident and they have to be taken to a hospital and they don't have insurance because they wanted, you know, for the, you know, I didn't have to wear a helmet. I don't have much money. This is the way it is. And then guess what? That cost goes on to the hospital. Who has to pay for it? The hospital does. Guess what? They're going to pass that cost down to you. 
So now you've paid for the right for this guy to have an accident, right? And I said, that's the cost of freedom. Yes, yes, that's a great example. Yes. Yeah. And we, we don't realize it, but every action as an individual has an impact uh, for the rest of us, for society, and to live together. I mean, if, if you want, then we can have people who would find their own island and you can live any way you like in your own island. But as long as you're here in society, there are certain rules and obligations we have to follow. Traffic signs, you know, they're there to control our traffic and it's, it doesn't impede your freedom. I want to drive when it's red, no. <laughs> When right, it's red, exactly. you stop. Right, right. <laughs> Accept or, those or, rules. Yeah, or what's, you know, someone said, well, I can say anything I want anytime. Actually, you can't. You can't yell fire in a, in a crowded theater. Yes. That's against the law. Well, why can't I? Well, because it creates a, it's, it's a health issue. You'll, people will stampede on each other. So you're right. There is, you have to have, there's responsibilities that come with freedom. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's part of the deal. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Um, I think to this, this sort of comes around to, I think one of the reasons that you had me on your show is to talk about testing. Okay. And this, this was the real, and the only reason I segue to that is talk about the, I think if everyone could get tested, they would, that would be part of the, the not the freedom not to, right? But I think, um, this op-ed that I wrote that frontline parents must demand testing for their kids before they go into school. And the reason is, is um, even though we've all given up as a nation, and I don't know about Canada too, but I don't know how, how much testing you got, but we've given up on it to the point that, that school administrators and people in, in our areas, they're not even asking that question whether we should test kids or not. And I was mortified to learn that. Um, I also help out in the healthcare field. So I was cool. helping one of our local uh, schools talk about sterilization and uh, sanitation protocols. And they were like, wow, that's interesting. We should do that. Well, yes, and this, that, and the other. And I said, okay, what about the virus? Are you testing for the virus? He says, shh, you're not supposed to bring that up. And I go, really? Why is that? Because we don't know what to do. It's just, that's right. So... I wrote this op-ed because I felt as if parents, we have 76 million parents in the United States. I mean, parents, we have 76 million students. That's a lot of parent power. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we should demand testing before any of our kids go back to school because it makes zero sense beyond zero sense to send your kids. We have a clean slate and they're supposed to go back in and you don't know who's infected. That's nuts, beyond nuts. And then you've got to keep testing them. And yes, it's an impossibility. It's an yep. absolute impossibility, but that's what you should be demanding. Especially with this virus. I mean, you don't it's see the symptoms. I mean, if you have symptoms, okay, I have a cold, I'm gonna stay in. Okay, that's great, but it doesn't work this way. And this makes it so, so challenging. And yes, I completely agree with you. This is why testing would be uh, most important. Many people here have done tests and they found out later on, it's like, oh my God, I, I had it. I didn't even know I had this disease. So um, it, it's paramount to make sure that the, the, the slate is as clean as possible once you as start clean as and, possible. Then, yeah. and then keep testing. I mean, that's the other thing is once you have the test, it doesn't mean it's not immunity. You can get this disease later on, but at least 
we're starting well, you know, and I think. Yeah, at least at a minimum, right? Mm -hmm. And then some parents, will, they'll come back and say, well, you can't test every day. And you, yep, you're right, we can't. Mm -hmm. Even if we can test once a week or every couple of weeks, and if we can get it back quickly, that's the point is not that we can't do it. The point is as parents, we should demand that it be done. And that's the thing that I'm very adamant about is that I, I will not accept the fact that this can't be done for either of our countries. I mean, I think this is like, are you kidding? This is a minimum of going back to school, a minimum, let alone wearing masks. You know, those two things alone should be the, that's the starting, that's how you enter school with a, with a COVID test and a mask on, and you probably cut down your, your rate of infection by 96, 97%. Yes, absolutely. And then once, once you, you, you have the clean slate, just make sure you wear masks and everything is sanitized and so on. So you are really in a good position of, of, of not getting infected, or at least of reducing the, the rate of infection. Yeah and, and to bring it, yeah, and to bring it home, right? I mean, that's, that's the central part. Even if your kids are not getting sick, guys, you bring it back into the community. We live right next to a retirement community, a big one. And to bring this back home, and, and we've had administrators say, well, they're going to recommend to parents that they should self-quarantine once the kids get home. I know, that, I, I know you're grasping at straws. Here's another grasp at the straw. I said, well, what happens when some kid is turned, you know, you find out he's positive? What are you going to do? And he said, well, I think we're going to treat it like head lice. And I said, head lice? Oh my God. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, usually in a classroom, when a kid gets head lice, you tell all the parents in that classroom. I go, that's nice. <laughs> but this is COVID. This is not head lice. How far? But it just goes to the point that I don't, I don't look at these administrators as they're, they're trying their best too. You know, and they're just saying, well, that's the best we can do at the moment with this. Mm -hmm. No, or do you just tell the entire school? I think you should tell everybody because I think transparency is the only way you're going to, is your, the only way that you're going to temper fear. Mm -hmm. And communication. I mean, I, I, I don't feel on, on our side, I don't think parents have been involved in the decision making process. I mean, we haven't been asked. And I think, as you say, there's so many parents and we should have a say in these decisions as well. It's not like, okay, you decide for us. These are exceptional circumstances. We should have a say as well. And we should be, like you say, if we want to have testing, we should be able to, to demand that and get it because these are our kids. We are the ones who are sending our kids to the, to the front line. I mean, it's like, this is... Uh, this is a war against, uh, against this virus and we want to keep everybody safe. And, yeah. and so parents say, well, what can we do? So there's a couple of things. One is, um, one is to go to your school board and say, hey, what are you doing about this? Mm -hmm. you, have, you, know, you can get together in Facebook groups, you can get together in chats, but go after the officials and demand that this be done. And they say, what are you gonna do if it doesn't happen? Because the resort right now is, we just need to get back to school no matter what. And I'm saying, no, we need to get back to school in the smartest health-oriented way possible. And I think having testing is part of that. Something I've done is I started a national petition. 
I would like to say it, let's call it an international petition because the more parents that get involved in signing this, um, the better. And it's basically a demand for COVID testing for our kids starting school. And it's a really easy website to remember, protectourkidsnow.net. And that will lead you directly to the petition. It's a change.org petition. But right now we've got over 700 signatures. Um, I'd like to see 10,000. I'd like to see 50,000 signatures because I think the more signatures that we have, the more people are going to be emboldened to say, wow, I didn't know that there were that many parents that cared. And I think we have an amazing voice, but we are so busy. We are so concerned. We're all these things that we feel like we don't even have a say in the matter. And yes, you do. This is one simple, simple way. I mean, literally protect us kids now dot net boom takes you right there two minutes later you're done okay that's wonderful yeah that's great yeah. Uh, a great initiative and I, i'm sure let's think of it internationally i mean i would i would sign up for love it as that. well i, <laughs> I will put it on my blog for sure for, for people to sign up. Yeah. yeah wonderful yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and so that's definitely a way and i know that it's i know that it seems almost futile for parents but it isn't i mean if you take Let's say even with this petition, let five of your friends know. We can all do fives, right? Mm -hmm. We can get five of our friends and say, let's call the school board. Let's contact them. And that five and that five and that five, that's five more voices than we had just one minute ago. And, I think and it works. It does work. I mean, we had the same with public transit, which was optional here in BC for wearing masks. And now they're going to make it mandatory because there was a petition that was run by uh, concerned people. And, and they're right. Absolutely. And they're right. Because in, on a bus, you can social distance. You're in an enclosed space. You have to wear a mask. So these, these kind of things uh, is uh, just want to be here. Hopeful they do work. And it, it's... Yeah, it, 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 some people are very defeatist. Like, yeah, it won't make a difference. Uh, my name or what my signature won't change anything. Yes, it does, and it's the same with voting. You know, like every vote counts, every uh, signature counts, and we have to keep that in mind. That this is here a choice we have and a responsibility. That yeah, I like that. I like that, Arsh, very much. And I think to the um, uh, we actually had. Uh, our, we had a doctor in our state put out a petition, and this was in the early days, in early March, saying we need to we need to shut down, otherwise this thing's going to go nuts. She got so many signatures, it forced the governor's hand, and we shut down because of that petition. Petitions do work, and especially in huge numbers, they these guys listen to it. Your leaders will listen to it, and so you know, create your own local petition, you know, one for Vancouver, one for Canada or whatever the case may be. I think mandatory masks for schools, come on. I mean, that should be it. That's a no brainer. Yes, it is. You know, right. But let's ask the impossible parents. You have a, as a parent, your first prerogative, not prerogative, the thing that you do the best is to protect your kids, mm-hmm. right? That's what we, that's like, we'll do anything to do. Why wouldn't you ask for this? The most basic fundamental thing is to protect your children and to protect your children, not only from getting the virus, but you protect your community, you protect your country. I mean, you're literally saving everybody by doing these very, very simple things. Yeah, that's absolutely it. Yeah. And so uh, if you're a patriot, if you love your children, all these things are important and your action counts. And I think um, 
that that would be a great way of uh, of of ending our our wonderful interview. Yes, thank you, Rush. Thank and you so much. I, for I, being. I hope all the I hope all your listeners stay safe and are well, and um, we will get through this. And please check out you know uh, protectourkidsnow.net, and it'll take you right there. And again, Rush, thank you so much for the opportunity. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for taking your time, and. Thank you all for listening. All right.